So crack your Bibles open. We're going to get started. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Mateo capítulo, capítulo 7. Woo! You done seen a bonafide miracle. I spoke in Spanish. Hallelujah. Hey. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I suppose it is, I should announce that uh, uh, Belinda and Carmen um, and probably a few other women, I'm not sure exactly who, uh, they actually went away to a church retreat this weekend um, with my sister-in-law, Melissa. She's, she's been here a million times. She's like a smaller vis- version of Belinda and a bigger version of Annie. I'm sorry, that's funny to me. If you know them, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, they're, you know, it's always good to get away and have uh, some, a good time with God and per- kind of get away from the world and, he- and, and absorb some preaching and good teaching, kind of get you grounded. Um, it's also good to, away for, to get, good to get away from your husband and your kids <clears throat> and just hang out with the ladies if you're a lady, of course. Um, and for the fellas, I believe it's us, we're, our turn, well, we're not going to go away, it's just a one-day thing, we got gypped, yeah, well, we have a manpower thing, where we shout, one, two, three, but we did get to see Daryl Strawberry the last time, that was cool, he's a really tall guy, um, Mariano's the next one, yep, um, you know what I'd really like to do is when they go to a, some kind of a church event where I'd like to have like a famous ball player like wash my feet. Wouldn't that be cool? I know that's really weird. Let's move on. That was really weird. <laughs> um, Last week we started a a new series. Last week's message. Last week's message was, um, "Do you know him?" Right? Do we remember that? We had a time of sharing, and we saw uh, a video of a famous preacher give a, a an incredible speech describing Jesus in his own words. And what we did, we actually passed the mic around, and we had some of you describe Jesus in your own words. Very powerful time. One of the ones that really stuck out in my head was uh, Minister David's. I believe he said, Jesus is so awesome that if you tried to describe him, you would go haywire. I thought that was so cool. Um, So I had like this vivid imagination of somebody literally glitching out and freaking out. I just, it's really cool. Um, So I appreciated that. Uh, this week, we're going to start on a two-part message, um, Does He Know You? So tonight, we're going to start it. Next Friday, we're going to finish it. Um, I wonder if you'd open in your Bibles. It should already be on Matthew 7. I want you to go to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. King James Version says, iniquity. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look at your word in a critical way, figuring out who you are and what your expectations are for us. I pray that you would bless us and keep us. I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord God, what the Spirit of the living God has to say to us tonight. Father, I pray that you would help us, help us not to harden our hearts. Help us to receive your word and hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against you. Heavenly Father, have your way. Let the Holy Spirit be in this place 
to illuminate our minds and our spirits with your truth, Father God, for the purpose of getting closer to you, hallelujah, and serving you and honoring you and, and serving your purposes in the way that you want. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I used to work in a paint factory. This isn't a joke. I know I started off with a joke for a while there. I may get back to them, but tonight it's not a joke. I used to work in a paint factory back in the 90s. It's so weird. <laughs> like a couple decades ago. Um, it was like 90, I think it was like the first or second year I got saved. 96 maybe? And a uh, bunch of guys, it was a union uh, paint factory, union shop. And I was the assistant manager of the paint store that was in the shop. So I used to do a lot of the transactions to the painters that would come pick up paint, the companies. I would do a lot of the shipping and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Sometimes I would do some, you know, I would make paint. I would sometimes tint them. I was learning how to do that. It was fun. The best part was driving the forklifts. That was awesome. So awesome. I almost tipped it over a few times, like those videos you see on YouTube. Uh, y of course, I was stupid. I was in the yard trying to spin fishtails and... Yeah, not smart. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun for a year until I started seeing the guys that worked there for 10, 15, 20 years dying of lung cancer, and then it wasn't so much fun anymore. Um, but while I worked there, um, the, the guys that I, that I worked with were <laughs> some very colorful characters. Right? Most of them were from the Deep South, most of them African-Americans. Um, I was probably... They were all African-Americans, mostly from the South, one Puerto Rican, one Haitian guy, and one white guy, and the owner was white. Um, but it was fun. They had all of this crazy Southern lingo. There were some guys that took forever to say anything because they were from, like, North Carolina, and it used to drive me nuts. There was this guy named Goldie Hudson who was this precious saint of God. He was, like, six foot five. Um, and we would talk about the word every day. I, he invested so much into my life in those first few years of being saved. I got saved in 95. This is like 96. But you know, Brother Tony, the word of God says in Matthew chapter 7. Now, you, wrote, you know your word now. And he would say that to me, things like that. But I would be so impatient. Like, Hurry up! Finish the sentence. There was one guy named Peanut. And uh, he was a tall guy. He was from the Bronx originally. And he, uh, he was a real slimy character. Um, in fact, in that particular shop, most of the guys had been to prison and, and had done long, long stints in prison. It was terrible. But they were good guys, you know, they had good hearts. They, you know, just made mistakes. Peanut, Peanut continued to make his mistakes. He was actually a scalper. He used to scalp tickets at, at Yankee Stadium. You know this guy? You're like, maybe. <laughs> and uh, so Peanut, Peanut used to like messing with me, right? Um, he was a real interesting character. He was, he was that guy that had a huge mouth and was very intelligent, right? And he, and he, and he could argue you down for hours and, and frustrate you to the point where you'd walk away. And he had these gold fronts, right? If you can just envision, always had a stocking cap on his head, gold fronts, his shoelaces never tied, um, and, you know, pants down sagging before that was in style, you know, right? And uh, he would always say things that were just really outlandish and talk about his lifestyle of, you know, with women and, and drugs and drinking. And, uh, you know, I'm a baby Christian. Now, I had done my own thing, but, like, my life had literally completely turned around. I wasn't like that anymore. So I was really trying to stay on the straight and narrow. So he'd get, in, get into that type of stuff, and he knew that I was a Christian. He would call me Baby Jesus. <laughs> He would call me baby Jesus. Yes, yes. I, yeah, yeah, yes. I actually hated that. Really hated it. It used to annoy me so bad. But he called me baby Jesus. 
And he would see my reaction and then get closer to me and keep going. And he would keep doing it and keep doing it. And then when I would turn and I'm about to confront him and say something, not fight. I wasn't fighting. He was a lot bigger than me. I wasn't messing with him. I thought about running him over with a forklift a couple times. But just as I would turn, I would see him and he would say, ah, 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 Matthew 7. Judge not or you will be judged of this. And he could quote it nicely. Right? I guarantee you the only scripture my man ever knew in his lifetime. But he would do that on purpose. And then at the end, when I would turn around to say, look, man, can't you just stop? He would say, ah, Matthew 7. And, and he was the type of guy like you would, you would just look at him and, and feel greasy. Like he was just like slimy. He was just like a used car salesman and like, you ever see cartoons when there's a bad guy and he's just real <laughs> like snivelly and wheezy and like he was that kind of guy. And I got to thinking as I was reading this chapter um, and kind of getting into the mode of, of really thinking about what this all, what Jesus was talking about here. I really thought about Peanut quite a bit and thought to myself, man, if he had just read the rest of the chapter, maybe his life would, would have been completely different. Um, and in fact, it kind of broke my heart to think about Peanut because I, I actually, even though he called me baby Jesus and broke my chops quite frequently, um, I really liked him. I really liked him a lot. Um, but I started thinking about Matthew chapter 7. Um, and as I went through it, I realized, like, I had never, I look, looked at it in a different way that I'd never seen before. Matthew chapter 7 is an extraordinary chapter for the saved and unsaved alike. And as I started reading it and going through it and like getting the big picture of it, I started to understand that Jesus said something really paramount. God bless you, my brother. I'll be here. Uh, Somebody help this brother get a cup of coffee. Make sure it's Bustello, please. God bless you guys. Thank you, guys. God bless you, brother. Have a good night. Praise God. So I got to thinking about Peanut, thinking how his life would have been different had he just read the rest of the chapter. Matthew chapter 7. Let's actually read it. If you happen to have a red letter edition Bible, I brought mine just because I wanted to see it in red tonight. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, in the New King James Version, if you happen to have that, if you have a tablet and you're able to switch, it would actually be very helpful to actually look at the New King James Version. Now, yes, I know it's not the King James Version. Mr. James. New King James. It would be helpful because the New King James actually break it, breaks it up into sections. They do it for you. It's kind of cool. Jesus starts off, Matthew chapter 7. We're starting in verse 1. Verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? That's right, I said plank. Plank. Anybody here know what a plank is? A plank is... You ever see a pirate movie where they make you walk the plank? That long, extended piece of wood, or if you look at scaffolding, they lay planks of wood. Usually they're two by tens, is it? Two by tens? And they're usually, they could be up to 12 feet long. They're very strong. And if you've ever lifted one, your back remembers what that felt like. 
a plank. And so Jesus is talking about how when you are thinking about judging somebody, right? when you're thinking about kind of considering them with a judgmental eye and a judgmental attitude and a judgmental heart, and you're viewing something that he says is a speck in his eye, right? Who knows what a speck is? Who's seen Horton Hears a Who? Do you remember that? All right, maybe, maybe some of us are too old. But the speck, you couldn't even see the speck. It was so small. Jesus is saying, before you start talking about the speck in that guy's eye, deal with the plank in your own eye. Now, is that ridiculous? Yes. Absolutely ridiculous. Did Jesus know what he was doing? Yes. He was using this for emphasis. Ultimately, what he was saying was, judge yourself first. Judge yourself first. If you have a pen and paper, if you came to take notes, if you, if you want to write something down, take it home and look at it later, my man held it up. like He's like, yes, Tone. I came prepared. Yo soy preparado. <laughs> judge yourself. Judge yourself first. Right. Judge yourself. Judge your lifestyle. Judge your ideologies. Figure out what's wrong with you and where you stand with God before you try to figure out anyone else. Judge yourself. Jesus continues, verse 5, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, I'll have to admit to you, I'm still trying to figure out verse 6. It seems like it's something out of place in this discourse. I'm going to leave that one alone. Verse 6. Verse 7. Keep asking, seeking, knock. Everybody say ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. For what, am, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will, ask, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil... Wait, Jesus just called us evil? That's right. Jesus just called... You being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven... Give good things to those who ask him. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What is Jesus saying here? And, and bear with me. We're just going to read a couple of these, and then I'm going to sum it up in a little while, and then we're going to move on to something a little bit more scandalous. He is saying, first of all, I am accessible. I am accessible. You can reach me. He's saying, you can have as much of me as you want. He's saying, I will take care of you. I'm summarizing what he said, but this is essentially what he's saying. And then he finishes off the paragraph by saying, if you want the best, then you have to give your best. So as Jesus usually always does, he directs the, the, the importance of relationship this way first. And then he directs it this way. Handle your relationship with me. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. I am accessible. Ask. Seek. Knock, you're going to find me, and you can have as much of me as you want. And then, and then, think about what you want people to do to and for you, and do it for them. 
If you want the best, give the best. The second portion was ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. The third point we're going to touch on today is the narrow way. The narrow way. Jesus then says, enter. Enter by the narrow gate. Everybody say the narrow gate. Narrow means skinny. means if you're chubby like me, you may have to butter yourself up on the sides to squeeze in. Narrow, not wide. Narrow, not wide. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to where? Destruction. That leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult. Everybody say difficult. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Didn't Jesus also say all of you who are labored and heavy laden and tired, you know, take on my yoke and I will give you rest? Doesn't that sound nice? Hold on. Now he's saying, narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to what? Life. Two gates. Life is the narrow gate, difficult, difficult road. Wide, easy, leads to destruction. Now I want you to really get an understanding of that. I want you to really get a picture in your mind. A narrow passageway that's difficult to get through. Perhaps there are obstacles. Perhaps it's rough terrain, uphill, dangerous obstacles to get over and past. It's a struggle, a genuine struggle. And when you get to the end of it, it leads to life. Life. And all of the connotations that are attached to that. Life. Wide is the gate, and many are going this way. It's an easy path. No problems. If you want to put on some rollerblades, no cracks in the floor, no bumps. Satan came and swept it all away. He made it nice and clear for you. He, in fact, mopped the floor and used a little mop and glow. Make it as easy as humanly possible. Wide. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by in it, who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few, few who find it. Does that sound like fun? I know. It's a bummer. But it's red letters. It's red letters. It's serious. Jesus is saying, Jesus explains how easy it is to miss him. How easy it is to miss him. Right? In church, the target is Jesus. Right? You come to a church, and it should be all about Jesus. Right? It should be, Jesus. we should be learning about the gospel, the death, the burial, the life, the, I'm sorry, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Savior. It should all, he should be the center of all of it. But even in the midst of it, it's actually easy to miss him. You can actually miss him and not even, let me not, let me not go there. Everyone is going somewhere. Notice that in the, in the discourse, he's saying that there are many going one way and there are few going the other way. There isn't a third path. He doesn't mention a third direction. He doesn't mention a third group of people. He doesn't mention kind of a middle-of-the-road passageway. It's just the narrow and the wide. Somebody say amen to that. 
He describes the way to life as being narrow and few will find it. Few. The other way is easy. I hope you wrote down the narrow way. The fourth section that we're going to look at tonight. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by your fruits. Beware of false prophets. We're not talking about the Dow or Goldman Sachs. Not P-R-O-F-I-T-S. P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. Prophets. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You ever see a ravenous wolf? Their lips are retracted and you can see every pointy tooth in their head. They are quite fierce. What happened? You've seen a ravenous wolf? Okay. <laughs> we'll leave you guys alone. You will know them by their fruits. And we're not talking about apples and oranges and grapes and bananas. We're talking about the product, the evidence, the byproduct of their life, if you will. Right? Sometimes when you, when you create something, it leaves a byproduct. Cream, heavy cream that we used to make my ice cream. That's right, I said ice cream. I'm a big fan. Cream, <laughs> cream is a byproduct. It's stuff that rises to the top. Uh, my brother, I knew there was a reason we looked so much alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more European. I'm into Hagen does. <laughs> Cream is a byproduct, right? What else is a byproduct? Cheese is a byproduct. Um, then you have bad byproducts, right? In my boiler class, they taught us that, you know, sometimes you, you might use an oil to create a flame to boil water that sends a steam into your pipes, right, in the steam system. If your fuel is not burning correctly, it creates this byproduct called soot, right? And it's this black disgustingness, and it gets into the air, and it can really make you sick. All the while, originally, what it's supposed to be doing is giving you comfort. Man, that'll preach in itself. It produces comfort heat. It makes you comfy in your living room so you don't have to sit there with uh, 10 sweaters and 4 socks complaining to your husband, Bobby, I'm cold. You can tell I'm married. (laughs) But there can be a byproduct from the production of what should be comforting to you. It could be black. It can cause carbon monoxide to come into your apartment and kill you. Somebody say amen to that. Fruits. False prophets show fruits. There's something that happens. You'll see good fruit or you'll see bad fruit. Let's read on. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? Somebody say ouch. Or figs from thistles? Mm -mm. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Think about the symbolism here. What did he start off talking about? He started off talking about false products. Um, sorry, false prophets. False prophets. Come back, Tom. False prophets bearing bad fruit. If you, if, you see a fall, if you see a prophet, you may not know right away that he is a false prophet. You just kind of wait around to see the kind of fruit that he bears. 
and you will know whether or not he's a good prophet or a false prophet. Right? But I'll kind of lump in preachers, evangelists, and teachers in that prophet bag. Right? Because in a sense, if you're a pastor, you should kind of be a prophet. You should be able to be the mouthpiece of God to the people that you are shepherding. Right? As a teacher, you're training people in the ways of the Lord. Um, as a preacher, you're, you're prophesying into people's lives. You're, you're, you're pushing the word of the Lord out there for people to grab onto and hold onto. Evangelists as well. I'll kind of lump them all in the, in the same arena as, as well. And I think it's fair to do that. I don't think it's heretical at all. You will know them by their fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. People that are involved in ministry, a lot of times you don't automatically know whether they're on the level or not. Right? Because as Christians, sometimes we can, we can, we, we can like have this whole Christian thing down pat. When I, before I came here, I was, I was originally born again at a United Pentecostal church. church. It was a ultra-conservative, ultra... Um, it's my old church, so I feel bad using this word. It was kind of ultra-legalistic. The people that were there literally dressed like Little House on the Prairie. Now, if, if you're you know, 30 and above, you know what Little House on the Prairie is. Prairie is. It's you know, old country times when they were moving out west and finding new lands and um, kind of had the skirts with the ruffles and the big, big bulging shoulders and the ruffles up to here and the buns and no makeup, no jewelry, no nothing. They looked just like that. Like literally, a lot of them, a lot of the older women wore those dresses and the shoes that came with them. And so it was very, very strict in that way. I couldn't even wear facial hair. When I first got saved, it was interesting. I, I went and we were supposed to play baseball that Saturday. I slept over at one of the elders' houses. And uh, I didn't have anything but a tank top and shorts. Right? I didn't know any better. He's laughing because he grew up Pentecostal too. So, so in, I got up early in the morning. I was actually kind of s- excited. We were playing baseball. And uh, I remember Brother Vinny, who was like an elder in the church, he had on like khakis and sneakers and a shirt like this, but tucked in. And I'm like, yo, my man looks like he's going to church. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I come downstairs and I'm like, all right, Brother Vinny, let's go. And I remember his face like it was like 10 seconds ago. He went like this. No, no, he went just like this. And he kind of smiled, and he cocked his head to the side a little bit, and he said, uh, yeah, great. Uh, is that what you're going to wear? <laughs> and he said that. And I was like, <laughs> like, I didn't understand like, what the problem was. When we got there, I understood. He actually lent me a T-shirt with like a short sleeve T-shirt. And when I got there, I understood they all had on khakis or jeans, like full jeans and sneakers and a button-down shirt. In the hot summer sun, playing baseball, and I thought to myself, you bunch of stooges. <laughs> the next year, I was one of those stooges, though. <laughs> and you know why? Because I had come some, from so far on the opposite end that if, if I felt like they knew more than me, and if, the, if this is what God required, I would do whatever the heck it took to get closer to God. So I was just obedient that way. But they were very legalistic. And so they had, they had this thing. They even had like their dances, right? Their, their Holy Ghost dances, what they dubbed the Holy Ghost dance. Um, they had like all of these little mechanisms, these cultural mechanisms that were associated with their church. Um, and so there were a lot of these little things that I didn't recognize. I just thought, this is, this is church. It was my first experience. I didn't know church at all. And so I realized that there was a culture. And I realized that there were some things that people kind of did that were just to follow suit. Just to kind of look the same, act the same, sound the same. Um, even the way they shook hands, 
They smiled. You know, there was, there was this, this kind of cultural thing. And they all had it down pat, right? And, it, and in some respects, it's kind of like a show. It's kind of like a front, right? That's why when, when Nate came to our church, pastor was so refreshed because Nate just, like, did everything wrong. And it was refreshing to have somebody different, but we, who you knew was saved, who you knew God was working in, right? And, and Nate, you know, made some people upset. I remember at one concert, like, he had on a hat or something, and, and I'm going to blow. Delman and, uh, and Julio, I know you guys are watching probably. You guys are trying to get people to take their hats off and trying to beat people up at the door for not taking their hats off and stuff, and, you know. It's okay. It was a concert. And, and so, you know, sometimes we can get in this mode where we have like this, this Christian posture. God bless you, brother. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Yes. <laughs> I'm blessed to be a blessed. I've seen it all. I've been in this thing like 20-something years. You've seen it too, Right? Even the dances, the Holy Spirit, when they start getting into the dance, there are some people that have such a, an amazing Holy Spirit dance and they have no clue who Jesus is. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to go back to my notes. I'm going to tell you because I know. I'm not going to shout anybody else and it's not this church. So let me get back to it. You will know them by their fruits. American Christianity has become easier than ever. American Christianity has become easier than ever because we as an entire race are always looking for the easy way out. Let that soak in for a second. That statement right there is going to create the supposition for the rest of what I'm going to say and what I'm going to talk about next week. The simple fact is the reason false prophets, heretical preachers, false teachers show up and are so successful is because they simply tap into what they know we want to hear. They know what we want to hear. Turn in your Bibles to Matt, um, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll prove it to you. I'm going to show you. This is Paul the Apostle, Apostle speaking to young Timothy, his mentee. Second Timothy, chapter 4. Second Tim, chapter 4. I charge you, therefore, you got it up there, my man. Thank you, brother. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come. Everybody say, the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The reason false prophets are so successful, the reason false prophets and these these phony baloney pastors can have these giant mega churches. Yeah, I said it. The reason they can do it is because they know how to give us exactly what we want. They know how to say, hey, y'all, Jesus does not expect you to be poor. So I'm going to let you know right now, the more you give, the more the Lord will bless you. And one day you too will be rich. 
Now, I've been reading the Bible 20 years. I don't remember seeing that. I'm sorry. There are some scriptures that do encourage you to give. We did see in the early church in the book of Acts where they literally sold their possessions and gave it for the benefit of all. But these pastors, they do some crazy stuff. What they did in the early church was they gave and distributed to all according to their need, the Scripture said. To their need, not their desire, not their want. Not by comparing their pastoral salary to somebody else's pastoral salary in another state. And saying, well, if he's got that, i got to have this. If he's got a private jet, i got to have two. If he's got a Rolls Royce, I've got to have one as well. Now, I'm going to be careful. You know what? I'm not going to be careful. I'm not going to be careful. And somebody might get mad at me. But you know what? I'm going to just tell the truth. There are pastors in this country ripping people off. I think last week I joked about um, Peter Popoff with the miracle spring water. Don't ask me why I watch this stuff. I hate it. But sometimes I'm looking for, for some, of the, some of the preachers that I like on Sunday morning while I'm ironing my clothes, and this guy and his wife come up. And, and I don't watch it because of them. They're just really stupid, and I can't believe. It's, it's horrible to me that people like listen to them and send money to these people. But what breaks my heart is the people giving testimony and saying, oh, I, I gave the Lord this, and they sent me the miracle healing toilet, I mean, a spring water. And, and the Lord blessed me with a check with $40,000. Amen. And the whole, the whole, the whole, uh, um, uh, the whole show is based on, you know, prosperity. Well, we all want and need money, don't we? Easy. Give me money and God will give you money. Right? That's the basis. That's the basic fundamental of it. Give me your money and God will bless you with money. And some of these people give their hard-earned money for years and years and years. And they're in the same place. And God bless them that they actually have faith. And I believe that God recognizes that faith and touches them and gives to them their, according to their need. But these people that are doing this, they're going to have to answer one day for what they're doing. Do, do we really think that God intended for a servant of God to have private jets and have millions in the bank and mansions with like 38 rooms and just ridiculous excess? Absolutely not. Show me where we find that in the Scripture. Show me. It's not there. Okay. Somebody say, Tony, move on. Hallelujah. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Please. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Jesus is warning us. Everybody say, Jesus is warning us. Jesus is giving us a formula. And so remember when I was telling you when I went back to look at Matthew chapter 7, I recognized that there was a formula involved with what Jesus had said in the 7th chapter. Right? You want to see it? Okay. He starts off understanding. He's got to warn us because he knows us, and he knows we always want the easy way out. Amen? Who doesn't want the easy way out? There was a guy that came to my building today. He was the former super at my building. He retired at like 50. My current super hates him because he just turned 69. <laughs> so Louie came to the building today, and I got the chance to meet him. And uh, he actually did it by doing very little in the actual building that he worked in. I've heard stories about this guy, just the whole building was falling apart. And he would spend his entire day only working in apartments for huge sums of money. And so what he did was he racked up 
huge sums of money doing side jobs, not even doing his actual job, and able to retire at 50. It's brilliant. Genius. Is it ethical? Absolutely not. Not ethical whatsoever. It's not right. But this is what he did. The easy way out. He chose the easy way out. He was successful. Praise God. I'm not going to do that. In Jesus' name. He knows who will show up and show us the easy way out and the wide path that will lead us to destruction. Who's that? Our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You want the easy way? I'll show it to you. Right this way. It's important to find and follow the Jesus Christ of the Holy Bible. Jesus, knowing who we are, he literally lays out a path for us to follow. First thing he says to us, whether you're saved or unsaved, think of it this way. Judge yourself. Get serious about who you are and where you're malfunctioning in me. Whether you're at odds with me or whether you're walking with me. Judge yourself. Don't be a hypocrite. And he used this crazy story about a plank in your own eye to get a message across. Judge yourself. Everybody say, judge yourself. Then he says, I am available to you. No matter what anybody does around you, no matter what environment you're in, no matter what you might encounter in, in, encounter in your life, whatever opposition you're up against, you can get to me. I am accessible. There's nothing that can hinder you from getting to me. You know, it breaks my heart. And I was listening last night to a testimony of a Roman Catholic church nun who had lived in a convent for years and years and years. Um, and, and some of the things that they do to these poor women is abhorrent. Literally, I heard her testify that at one point in her, in her, um, in her tenure there, they had a huge wooden cross in the basement. And they made her strip down to her waist, completely naked up top, and they chained her to the wooden cross. And then they had used two younger nuns with a reed, with a strap, a leather strap, and, and metal bits on the end of it. And they whipped her until she bled all over the cross and on the floor. Yes. Why did she allow this? Because she believed that those that were over her, the mother superior and the father, the, the priests, were her connection to God. She believed that in order to serve penance for relatives and dead loved ones, to get them out of purgatory, she had to be tortured for their sins. Absolutely horrible. Jesus said, I'm accessible. You don't need anybody else. You can come right to me. Last week we talked about the mercy seat, the priest that walked into the, into the Holy of Holies, and he was the only one that could go in. And, and now, because Jesus had died, the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom, and we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. We don't need a, a box to sit in to tell our, to tell our sins. To rip, we don't have to do any of that. We can go directly to the Father. What people, the great lengths that people will go through and the false prophets are banking on your desire to get to God. However sincere they may be, they will use that to profit from you. By the way, the first thing they do as they get into the higher uh, status of a nun, they make you sign over all of your worldly possessions and any inheritance that you may get from your family. It then belongs to the Roman Catholic Church. Thought you might find that interesting. He says, I'm accessible. First, judge yourself. Get serious. Second, I'm accessible. You can get to me. You can have as much of me as you want. The third thing he says, there's an easy way and there's a wide way. 
If you trust me, if you look to me, if you follow me, I'll take you through the easy way, however hard it may be. But the wide way will lead you to destruction. Which do we choose? Then he says, you will know them by their fruits. He knows that we want the easy way. And because of our desire to have the easy way to salvation, to heaven, to life, there are people out there that will take advantage of us and sell us, in some cases, the wrong Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Bible. Yes, sir, you have a question? Matthew 6, verse 6. Oh, 7, verse 6. Your pearls among swine. Go ahead. don't appreciate it, especially if it, in regards to holiness and righteousness. Right. No, I, I get the concept of the scripture. All I was saying was that in the context of what Jesus is saying in that, in that portion, it's a little out of context because he kind of skips a beat. That's all I'm saying. It's a little weird how he kind of transitioned from one idea to the next only to come into another idea in such a like quick, weird way. That's all I was saying. But I, I get the scripture. Sorry, I guess I should have explained that. My bad. I ain't a real preacher. 7 verse 6, you're absolutely right. Don't take what is holy, that the blessings that God has given you, and cast it to... Um, Whitney Houston. Started off in church. You cannot tell me that woman's voice was not anointed by God. Of all of the, main, of all of the incredible divas, right? So you have Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. Give me another one. Beyonce. Come on, give me another one. Celine Dion. Janet, she can't really sing. Tony Braxton. Of all of them. Aretha, now, I'm going to tell you right now, Whitney Houston, so I love music, Whitney Houston, and I've heard all of their music, she's the only one that made me cry. I know, I know, that sounds terrible, and we're going to keep that right here. We're not going to take that anywhere else. Those of you online, that woman's voice was anointed by God. She came up in the church. She was amazing. And she came out in the world and, and did some crazy stuff. She took the pearls and the, the talent and the gift that God had given to her and literally gave it away to the world. Wound up with Bobby Brown, the scourge of Hollywood. Wound up smoking crack. I'm not even going to get into it, but it just got into some craziness. And, and you know, it's, it's not even how you start off. It's how you finish Right? And where did she finish? I'm not even going to say because it's going to make me cry. It's so sad. She took that, the pearls that God, the, the holy, what God had blessed her with for his purposes, and she sold it out to the world. Anyway, so with regard to that verse, my brother, thank you for that. Just to me, it's a weird like the verse itself, it's just in a weird spot. It seems like it wasn't there. When I read it, it's just like, huh? It's just kind of weird to me. I know. I'm, it's me. It's not you. It's me. Can I say it that way? Okay. You will know them by their fruits. They will prey on our need for God, but not give us the truth, because if they do, it means they cannot control and manipulate us and take what they want from us. In many cases, it's money thereafter, or they have a strong need for power over others. Sometimes they are seeking the approval of men 
or, and don't want to offend anyone, so they become irresponsible shepherds who water down the truth. Last, last scripture we're going to look at. Go to Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. And we're going to wrap it up. Isaiah 46. So much faster with a tablet. <laughs> Isaiah 46. Nine through eleven. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you for that. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there is no other. Yes, this is the right one. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times. Hold on, I think I have the wrong verse. Give me a hot second. You have my sincerest apologies. Isaiah 56. God, help me. Isaiah 56, 9 through 11. All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. Listen to this. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, They are greedy dogs which never have enough and they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone, for his own gain from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. What is he talking about? He's talking about the watchmen over Israel of that day. What I'm talking about are the watchmen over spiritual Israel of our day. We are spiritual Israel. Do you understand that? The Israel of the Old Testament. They were the Jews, the Hebrews. They were the promised of God. They were the beloved of God. In the New Testament, then you come into the church age, and we are spiritual Israel. We are grafted in. We are adopted, right, into that Abrahamic thing. We are grafted in, and so we become spiritual Israel. And in, in Israel's day, their watchmen, their shepherds, the people that were supposed to be teaching and guiding Israel, they, God, Isaiah, God, through Isaiah, called them dumb dogs. How many people have a dog that they use to protect their home? It's okay. If you have like a little Bichon Frise, he can be like a little protecting dog too. But, you know, if, you, if you're on a farm and you have a, a couple of shepherd dogs, right, and you have big dogs, and they're supposed to protect you, they're supposed to ward away the people that are coming to harm your family, right? And if they don't do their job, they're just dumb dogs, And God says that these shepherds, these watchmen, are dumb dogs that are just laying around and all they're doing is thinking about filling themselves with unrighteous gain. And so what I'm saying is that there are people in our churches in America that are doing that same thing. Well, I'm a barking dog, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to bark a little bit. I'm here to warn you. And <laughs> bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yo. I'm sorry. Who let the dogs out? Listen to me. Next Friday, I'm going to be barking quite a bit. Next Friday, I'm going to go over the, the other versions of Jesus that are being preached 
and our churches in America. Now, when I say other versions of Jesus, please understand me. There is only one Jesus. Only one. I'm sorry. Let me clarify further. There is one Jesus of Nazareth who is the Savior, who is the the Son of God who died on the cross. There was only one. There's only one. However, when you take the gospel and you water it down and you mingle it with all kinds of crazy new age things and weirdness and you try to pull things out of it that were never supposed to be pulled out of it, you then start preaching a different Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. There are a number, and Jesus even warns us, I think it's Matthew 24 or Mark 24. Mark 13, Matthew 24. Jesus says, if they tell you I'm here, don't go there because I'm not there. If they tell you I'm in this basement here, don't go there. Right? There will become becoming people in the last day claiming to be me, but understand that they are not me. And then he starts to give us signs to look for in the heavens and in the earth. Next week, we're going to be talking about the different types of Jesus that are being preached in the world today. We're going to be talking about some doctrines of devils that are out there. And what we're going to do is we're going to discuss how do you know you have the right version of Jesus in your life? Everybody stand. Who's going to be here next week? Glory to God. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that we got the wrong version of Jesus in this church. But we may have friends and we may come in contact with people and we may meet people that may may say things in conversation that will concern us and we'll say, oh, that's not my Jesus. What I want to do is equip you. I want to prepare you to be able to counter and help them. Counter what they're saying and help them to find the real Jesus. We're going to come back to the discussion of the narrow way and the broad way. Um, And of course, the incorrect versions of Jesus are on the broad way. The wide way that leads to destruction.